The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. First of all, I think they're a measuring stick. You know, when, when you talk about teams that have opportunities every year now to, to, to compete and, and do some great things, this is one of them. So you should measure yourself to the great teams in, in, in this league right now, the teams that are really, really good. So that's how we feel. We feel like we're, we're coming up against a measuring stick and really kind of see, you know, where we are and how, how far we have to go. That was Ron Rivera uh, saying that Sunday's game at Buffalo is a measuring stick game. Uh, he was also asked about Taylor Heineke's first road game uh, as a Washington football team quarterback. I'm going to play that for you and also what Taylor Heineke said about this being his first road game. We are going to get to that as well. Scott Van Pelt is going to be on the show today. Cooley is not going to be on the show today. He had a family matter um, that uh, came up late last night. Uh, he apologizes for not coming on today, but he is going to come on the show on Friday to help preview uh, the Buffalo game on Sunday. So he will be on Friday's podcast, uh, not today. Uh, Scott will be on a little bit later. We'll talk about everything. We'll talk about Maryland. We'll talk about the Washington football team. We'll talk about the NFL. We'll mix some gambling into the conversation um, and a lot more. Uh, Scott coming up. Uh, just as a reminder, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Uh, it doesn't cost you a thing. It really helps us. Rate us and review us uh, if you can as well. That really helps, uh, if, especially if you give us five stars and write us a one to two sentence um, positive review. Many of you have asked, many of you have done it, A, and I appreciate it very much. Many of you have asked, is that more important than how many people listen? Um, we have great numbers on the podcast, which is, it's always been that way. But advertisers base a lot of their uh, buying decisions on how loyal uh, the audience is and how much they uh, enjoy the hosts and, and co-hosts of, of the show. So positive ratings and reviews are important um, because it allows us to attract even more advertisers. Not that we're going to increase the number of spots. Many of you have said we've got too many already. I do understand that, but it is necessary. Um, but it allows us to increase the rates in which we are charging 
the advertisers. Anyway, uh, a little bit behind the curtain stuff, uh, but I do appreciate all of you that have done that uh, for us uh, recently. If if you haven't done it and you can, very helpful to rate us and review us, especially on Apple, Spotify, and Google. And again, subscribe if you can. It doesn't cost you a thing. You'll just get the show delivered without having to go out and reach for it every day. Um, and that helps us uh, as well. So uh, I, I want to talk about this game as it relates to Taylor Heineke. I understand that the defense is a question mark and they're going to be facing a quarterback that's been struggling. And I am certainly, uh, you know, a little bit concerned after two games. And I want the defense to become what we thought the defense could become. And this is a big test on the road against a guy that was on that list of quarterbacks with offensive weapons like Stefan Diggs that we all talked about before the season started, even though he hasn't been playing well. Um, so it would be um, even more concerning if the defense has another bad day uh, on, on Sunday. But to me, uh, the more intriguing storyline for Sunday is Taylor Heineke's first road game. And I talked a little bit yesterday on the podcast with Tommy as to why I think um, this is intriguing. And netting it out, I believe it's a big reveal. Like, I think it will be very revealing and maybe will be the single biggest, you know, and most important data point we have so far on Taylor Heineke. Now, let me be clear. um, There's nothing conclusive that I'm going to draw from anything that happens on Sunday. I would probably tell you that I could probably lean in the direction of being less of a believer if I was inclined to be a believer in Taylor Heineke. I'm not a believer and I'm not a non-believer at this point. I don't have any idea. I'm intrigued and he's been in A so far in the 11 and a half quarters that he's played, but I'm just neither on him yet. It's just too early. Now, if he goes in and tears it up, um, I would probably say that's that's really impressive to do that in that environment. But if, I think the bigger uh, a step in in the more in the direction of some sort of conclusion, which again it would be a small step, would be if he went in there and really performed poorly and looked and appeared to be overwhelmed. Which, by the way, I don't think is going to happen. But I think as it relates to Taylor Heineke. We have some data points through 11 and a half quarters. You know, we've got a couple of things that um, we understand that uh, to, to, that, they, the, that these things suggest something about him. Again, they, they don't they don't lead to conclusions about him, but we do know that from the limited data that we have, the limited of time number of times that we've seen him, that he's pretty good off schedule. In fact, I've said before, I think he is off schedule at a very high level for an NFL quarterback. I think it's his number one attribute. And yet, the game last Thursday night, he didn't even use his mobility. They kept him in the pocket, forced him to throw from the pocket against soft zone coverage primarily, and he did it. And that leads me to a second data point. We had no idea if he could throw from the pocket and beat somebody from the pocket and perform well from the pocket – well, it's just one game, but it, you know the performance against the Giants would suggest that he's capable 
of doing that. We saw him make a terrible play at the end of the Giant game and yet bounce back and lead them to a game-winning field goal attempt. So there's a you know there's there's something to suggest that he's pretty damn resilient and that he has got some ballers we sort of sensed from last year in him. Uh, what we don't know at this point is how he's going to react to an environment that he hasn't played in yet and we haven't seen him in yet, and that is a non-supportive environment. Every, everything about the NFL, we're all NFL fans, we, we, we can picture the difference between quarterbacks who are, you know, one quarterback at home and totally different on the road. Now, I, I think he'll do fine. I don't think he'll curl up in a ball. I think he'll be fearless, and I think the results will be fine. Um, but I want to see it. I want to see him go into this environment. I want to see him face third and 15 from his own eight-yard line, you know, down 17 to 10 with the crowd at full throat and see what he does and how he handles it. And if he can make a big throw or a big play, maybe it's not third and 10. Maybe it's third and seven from his own 14. The end zone's super loud. He's got to go hand signals, and he's got to make a play. Or is he getting hit, you know, and bum-rushed, and he never sees it coming, and the ball's loose, and it's going through the end zone three times in the game? These are things that I think are very revealing. You don't know enough about anything related to a quarterback specifically until you've seen that quarterback play in a tough road environment. This is what Taylor Heineke said about playing on the road for the first time and if he has to do anything different. Not really. Um, It'll be my first road game starting, like you said, but it's at Buffalo with fans, so it's going to be loud. Uh, There's going to be some silent count stuff that we're working on this, this week. Um, but again, it's a good defense, and you know we're excited for the opportunity and the challenge. That's the other thing, too, that last line when he says it's a good defense, we're excited for the opportunity and the challenge. It's not just that it's a hostile, you know, um, inhospitable uh, environment that he's going to be in for the first time in his career uh, as the starting quarterback. It's that he's facing a good team and a very aggressive defense. So I think that there's a real um, – I think it's very interesting to see how he handles this on Sunday. Now, Rivera was asked about Heineke playing on the road and whether or not he expected the road environment to have an impact on Taylor Heineke. Here's what Rivera said. No, I, I don't expect an impact. I don't, I don't think it should be that big a, de- a deal. Um, you know, uh, again, I think that I'd classify that under the interesting. Um, you know, to him, it's really about being on the field and playing on the field. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's played a lot of football in his past in terms of what he did collegiately and then some of his opportunities coming up. But, yeah, this is his first real big shot. But like I said, that to me, that's interesting. That was Rivera answering the question um, with his uh, now pretty common answer to things that he doesn't think are very significant. He'll say, well, I think that's interesting. Um, it's not important or it's not significant. It minimizes not necessarily the question, um, but the – 
uh, it, he, it minimizes the importance of his answer, I guess, really. The, the question was, how will Heineke adjust to playing on the road, and do you expect playing on the road to impact him? And he says, no, I don't expect you know an impact. But the bottom line is, I mean, anybody that's watched NFL football and coached NFL football understands that if they're on this path to also figuring out what we're trying to figure out, which is, is he just a backup um, or is there something to him that could result in him being the starter? This is another data point to me, a very revealing one, an important one, not one that I would you know, come to a conclusion one way or the other on, but I think they realize that too. I think they'd love to see, you know, third and seven and big spot, fourth quarter, crowd at full throat and see him deliver a ball from the pocket to Terry McLaurin to move the sticks, you know, in a big drive down, you know, down four late in the game. I mean, I, they, they, they want to see how he reacts to that environment. Anyway, uh, just, again, elaborating a little bit more, flogging this dead horse a little bit more. Um, on the topic of Taylor Heineke's first road game. It's intriguing to me. Um, it may or may not be to many of you, but uh, I can't wait for Sunday at 1 to see how he handles it. All right, up next, Scott Van Pelt, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Scott Van Pelt is with us on the podcast today. Is Maryland football any good? I think so. I, I mean, they live they live on a really rough side of the street, right? The Big East, uh, Big East, the Big Ten East is is good. There's no bombs on on their di- side of the division, so they'll probably end up with you know a, a decent number of losses. But just beating, figuring out how to win that game at Illinois is, is the difference maker. I'm, all Maryland fans remember the Temple spot a few years ago in advance of a potentially huge game at home against Penn State, and they went up there and they were right there, and they, the game was there to be won, and they just didn't. 
and then it kind of set the wheels in motion where the wheels fell off, and then they got destroyed by Penn State, and everything went sideways. So, I mean, they could still have a bunch of losses and whatever else, but they also won that game, and I think that's significant because it shows that in the middle of a uh, of a moment of, of question and adversity and whatever, uh, they, they had an answer. And so if you can beat Penn, uh, Kent State on Saturday and you got a 4-0 home game against a top-five team, that's as big a game as Maryland has had at home in ages. So that right there makes them better than they've been. But I'll tell you what, Kent State's actually pretty competitive. Uh, anybody that follows college football really closely knows they've played, they played Iowa and, and A&M, and they've battled for a half in each of them. So uh, you can't just sleepwalk into this game and think you're going to roll them because they're from the Mac or whatever, because that would be a bad, bad mistake to make. Uh, this game's got um, Kent State plus 14 written all over it for smell test. You went yeah. for your um, winner's segment last week. You actually uh, went with Illinois plus the number one and got the happiness hedge with the Terps winning by three. Which, how many times on your winner segment on your show have you picked against Maryland? It's rare, but I think I I don't know this to be accurate. But my guess is, any time I have, it's it's one. Um, I mean, as as Terp fans who think the way you and I think, I mean, you, we knew the Temple spot was a disaster, you know. And I mean, this Kent State spot. You're right. I mean, just from. The way I think, I would say take Kent State plus the points. Uh, I don't do it often just because I don't want to have to explain to Maryland fans I'm not picking against Maryland or rooting against Maryland. I just think the spot speaks to a certain, you know, a certain uh, um, opportunity from a, from a picking games perspective. So, and it went all. it went exactly the way you wanted it to exactly. go. Exactly. You know, over um, over the years on the smell test, uh, whenever I've had Washington in the smell test, either as the team that I've picked or their opponent, I'm like 64% on those games over the years. It's something like that. I, I looked the number up and I went back maybe like a year ago or two years ago, and I don't know how I did last year, but at one point it was like 64%. And when you think about it, it's a little bit ironic um, that – for, for someone like me and you who handicap in a way that sort of admits we don't really know, but these guys that make the point spreads do know and the public doesn't know, um, and yet the teams that we're most familiar with, there's like a flashbulb that comes on that you know when we see a line that reeks with that team that makes us salivate even more over their games. Uh, but it shouldn't be that way, right? Because it's it's a contrarian handicapping um, uh, philosophy that says, well, we don't really care if we know anything about these teams or not. Do you well, th- and the reason that you, you the, the, the flash bulb comes on more quickly as is where in those other spots we're going basically just off of what our gut's telling us based on, oh, the public's going to love this, the public's going to love that. In this case, we actually know something about the team that's involved. You know, we, you know, because often that's it's like a running joke. Uh, I'll say, you know, we'll we'll put a, a pickup, and Steve will say, "Can you name one person on this team?" And I'll say, "I I cannot. I am not well versed on, uh, you know, whomever some Sun Belt team." But in the Maryland case, you, you you know you have much better sense of it. But I mean, let's t- let's take the gambling piece out. I'm just happy for Mike Loxley. Uh, he, you know him. I know him. He knows the score here. He knows the 
recruiting is fine. Getting that getting that massive investment to turn coal into the Jones Hill house is, is a game changer. But you got to win games, and he understands that. And so, um, you know, they've won the first three that they've played. Again, the schedule is really difficult. Um, so, I don't think I don't think any sane Maryland fan out there has you know has playoff hopes or 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 you know ten and two hopes. Uh, I think just win Saturday and, and set yourself up for a Friday game against Iowa. That. I, I hope to God that the administrators out there sorted it out. They I know did. you were making they, the they did. They sorted it okay, out. Okay, well, I know you I know you were vocal about that and I'm glad you were because uh, you just have to have some common sense about about the setup and you, you, you it would be it's already a cluster getting in and out of there for games. Um, because campus I'm convinced campus will never stop being built. God, I think I think you it, can say that about almost any campus. Uh, no, no doubt. Steve, Steve yeah. and I talk about it all the time. Like when they would travel every weekend for game day radio, he said, it's just, he said, is there any campus that's done? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're all, they're all one enormous construction site, which is true. But getting in and out is a challenge. And this is going to be a huge crowd. Um, and so you just, you got to sort it out and give people a chance to get in there uh, in advance. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think I've talked to you since I got back from Penn State over the weekend, but lots of construction there too. But um, I'm sure what a scene that was. I did not go to the game. I just tailgated from about 11 a.m. until about 8:30 p.m., which was quite interesting. But I've been to the whiteout game, and it's 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 fabulous. It just is. Um, uh, the next whiteout game I go to is I'm going in only because my seating is preferable um, and comfortable. The the bench seating in a sold out 112,000 seat stadium is uh, can can get old after a while unless you've got a real vested interest in either team. And I don't necessarily. I, I wanted to just real quickly um, wrap up the Maryland thing. Steve Souter has come on the podcast and the radio show a couple of times this year. He thinks the recruiting has finally kicked in, that this is now um, a legitimate, like two years ago against Temple, they, they weren't anywhere near where they are now, and that they've got, you know, top quarter, top 20% talent in the Big Ten, and because of it, they're legit real uh, in these head-to-heads that we're going to have coming up against all of these Big Ten teams. Sure, I mean, and, and that's something that I, that I talk to Mike about. I, I understand the the. I mean, it, every every team and every new coach has to come in with some kind of social media slogan that you can sell. And you know, the best is ahead is what Maryland has has been going with. And I said, you know, that 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 can be true, but in order for it to be true, you have to be doing the things each day so that right now builds you towards that. And I said, it seems like you have the players now where right now it is going to get you there. And he's like, that's entirely true that they just have, they just have more depth of talent. Uh, they're not smoking mirrors and in, in, in spots where they were initially. So, um, you know, and we all, we, we know, and, and a lot of your listeners who are local know that it's a, it's a tough sell, you know, Maryland football always has been, I was in that stadium when it was known as Bird, and it was Jerry Claiborne, and and, and I'd be happy when it was Band Day because the the whole back end of the end zone would get filled in, and they had really good teams. Um, so 
also, I mean, through the years, just filling that stadium uh, is is a challenge because you're not in, you're not in, in you know state college Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you're here, and so you've got options and you've got distractions, and they haven't been great. So uh, just being good, you you I'm not saying you can't. As we know, you can fill it. You just need to be good, and and you know Ralph got it going like that, and so uh, it would be it'd be great fun for for that to happen again. And, um, you know, I think the process is underway. It's just, it's not going to be an easy build given the Penn state, Michigan, Ohio state trio you're dealing with. And then, you know, Michigan state looks way better and Shiano makes Rutgers more competitive. And Indiana was awfully good last year. They've lost a couple, but it's just, it's not like you look at somebody and go, okay, well, we're going to beat them. You know, it's just, there's none of that. What do you think of Washington so far in the NFL? I don't know. I think their defense looks like it's not what I, what we or they thought they were. Um, you know, that first game couldn't get off the field. That was the biggest issue. That was such an odd game. Uh, there were so many strange things that happened. I mean, it. It. I think the. Re- I think Washington's record probably feels right, and I think that it, 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 if they would have won the first one and lost the second one, it would have made just as much sense. You know what I'm saying? Um, just outcome wise. Uh, just ha- having paid attention to the games, and and I think living here, and, and we've talked about this for years. I think living here makes me pay attention more closely. I watch more of, of each of the games. Well, Thursday night, just Thursday night is a standalone, so you're paying attention to that one exclusively. Um, but I, I, listen, I think I think Heineke's not unlike Fitzpatrick. I think that there's a little bit of a, a I, I I could keep you in it and put you in danger simultaneously in games. Uh, I think he has a certain, um, I don't give a bleep mentality that, that probably comes from the fact that he wasn't even in the league uh, this time a year ago. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of, I like him. Um, I, but I just defensively, I'm just thinking, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they got talent, um, but are they, is, is it all sort of, cohesive at the moment i don't know it doesn't necessarily appear to be yeah the thing um that i talked about uh, tommy and i talked about it on the podcast yesterday and i talked about it in the opening segment uh of this show is i actually on heineke i i I, the odds are he's not going to be a long-term answer i mean those are just the odds You, you know we don't we have one example maybe two you know of quarterbacks becoming franchise quarterbacks at 28 years old after really not playing at all. You know, Tony Romo to a certain extent, and then Kurt Warner is the ultimate all-timer. So he's probably not going to be that. With that said, he has the fan base, at least some of it, really ginned up with the way he's played. And he's played really well. He's played 11 and a half quarters for this team. He played a quarter against Carolina last year, Scott. He played the Tampa playoff game. He played two and a half quarters against the Chargers, and he played the game last Thursday night against the Giants. And, you know, he has shown something. I mean, he's played at a high level, actually. Um, and he made a terrible mistake the other night late in the game and, and, and bounced back with a great drive to, to, to win the game, courtesy of an offsides uh, against the Giants. But I um, think, and this isn't just a sports talk segment trying to create something to talk about, I think this Sunday is going to be the biggest reveal yet. And nothing's going to drive us to a conclusion after four games or five games. I mean, it's just too small 
of a sample size. But I think you really aren't sure about quarterbacks until you see them on the road in a true tough environment against a good team. And that's what he's going to get on Sunday. It's his first road game in the NFL. It'll be the first time that he's played on the road in the NFL. He's been in a totally supportive environment. But I just think as a, as a longtime football fan like you are, I think there's this vision I have of, well, can he do it when it's third and nine and he's at his own 14-yard line and they're, you know, they're losing 17 to, to 12 and the crowd's going absolutely bonkers? Can he you know, hang in the pocket and make a throw or can he escape it and make a run? And I don't think you know enough until a quarterback does it on the road in that environment. What do you think? I think that's entirely accurate. And I mean, the spot you're you're painting him into is one that even the made guys in the league struggle with, right? I mean, you know, as you just explained it, I mean, uh, the you know the Rogers, Brady, Mahomes types, you know, you could name others, but in that spot, you, you'd expect them to deliver. Uh, and in and in Heineke's case, Heineke's case, it's not that you expect him not to; it's just that you haven't seen him. Uh, be asked asked to, and now you are. So um, the, the larger the larger point is: Do you think that Heineke, not just Buffalo, but for the balance of the time that he'll be on the field until Fitzpatrick gets well enough to get back, or maybe he doesn't? Do you think that he gives you a chance to to compete? Um, and I do believe that the Buffalo game is a, is the first real step towards an answer because that Washington schedule, I mean, you got a first place schedule and it's, there's a, I mean, I was looking at it during that giant game and I'm thinking, man, you, you lose this one. I want to say their next three home games are some combination of the Saints, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. It's, um, it's the Saints, Chiefs, Bucks in that order with, by the way, ro- okay, so, road trips to Green Bay, to Lambeau and Denver. Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot in Buffalo. Uh, so there's a lot here that, that makes it a, a steep hill to climb for the entire team. But it, it, Heineke, if you're asking me right now, I mean, again, not everything is through the prism of gambling. So I'm not saying like shorting him or whatever. I'm just saying if you, you know, would you, would you, I won't say bet. Would you guess that he can do it? I wouldn't guess he couldn't. Right? Is that you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I back him entirely because I, I just think you don't know. But I also I'm not sitting here thinking, oh God, they don't have a chance because they don't have a quarterback. No, I don't. I don't think they know what they have. But see, I um, think I think what I'm saying about the road game is that if I agree with you, there's been nothing that I've seen that would make me dismiss him at this point. Nothing. Uh-huh. But there could be something on Sunday that makes me lean towards dismissing him. And I wouldn't come to a de- definitive conclusion because it's his first chance, and he may not play well. But it's not about the results of the game. It's how he handles himself during this sure. game. Because to be but honest... I mean, think about this, yeah. Kevin. Think about this. The, the, guy, the guy who Washington brought in has spent a career of having ups and downs where he's being seemingly simultaneously dismissed and endorsed. Right. Um, and, and that's... Maybe the that's the level of quarterbacking you're expecting when you when you give a guy a decent amount of money to be your backup based off a quarter and, and a game. Um, so sure, you, you know this is the spot where you start to get some some real feedback. But 
I just think that the, the guy they brought in to be the guy was was always walking the edge of he can't do it, or that's why he has something called Fitz Magic attached to his name. So, it, look, man, the position's really hard to play. There aren't there aren't a ton of guys that that week in and week out venue uh, is not venue dependent or who they are. Through two weeks of the season so far, and and we both know, and anybody that bets uh, understands that it's really hard uh, after two weeks to really come to any conclusions. But what's your gut tell you about the NFC East? Dallas is so injured, um, and and that first that first game was fascinating because they threw it fifty eight times, and the second one was interesting because Pollard looked like. Yeah. Almost, if not a better back than Zeke, he looked like absolutely a 1A to Zeke's 1. Um, I think that makes them a team that can that can lean more into that. Looks like they can run more. Um, the Giants, I don't know. I mean, Daniel Jones actually looks like he can give him a chance to, to, to compete in games with his legs as well as his arm. Uh, didn't turn it over against Washington on a rainy night, which has to be seen as a win for them. Um that Denver game with a mistake, they couldn't really get much of anything going. Phillies, I don't know, Phillies' first game, Hurts looks great, but it, it's kind of, you, you play Atlanta, who's going to struggle this year, and then they can't get anything much going at all at home uh, against the Niners. I, I, I still feel like the division's a shrug. Um, I don't, it, it, I think that there's, it, there, I just don't think there's a great deal of separation. I don't think anybody's much better than anybody else, and I don't think anybody's glaringly worse than anybody else. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think we've seen anything through two weeks that – I mean, my initial thought on the division is there are going to be four teams between seven and ten wins, and I can't tell you there's no order of finish that would be shocking per- um, to perfectly, me. Perfectly said. Well, Ross Tucker said it to me, that's, and, I just, and I've it. been using it ever since. But I, it's, how, it's exactly the way um, I feel. Um, what do you uh, do? You have any strong thoughts one way or the other on the emphasis of calling this taunting rule? I mean, I, I saw an interesting thing Chris Sims uh, tweeted out this morning about you know you think this is something that a bunch of old owners came up with, but it really isn't. It's it, it, a bunch of coaches that, that put it through, and you know he listed the names of the coaches that suggested it, and the names of the coaches that are on the competition committee that I guess endorsed it. I I don't. I mean. Ron Rivera is one of those. I think a lot. Of, I understand that Mike Tomlin's one. I mean, I saw the names. And it's, I just figure these are people that I respect. And I mean, if they, I, I think like a lot of these rules, Kevin, that the, the notion is 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 maybe correct, but it's the execution um, and and the uh, implementation of it, and then adjudicating it in real time that's the issue. Like I think sometimes when a guy stands up and he's, you know, like I think. Keenan Allen got one the other day, and I think he was just mad he got tackled in a certain way or something. Where you know, there's a, there's there's a little bit of boys will be boys out there, and it's, you're not taunting anybody. You just maybe you want to, you know, you're gonna get in the guy's face and say something. You you can't take all that out with it, with with that significant a penalty. So I mean, I just think like a lot of things. I I, I assume it'll wane to a degree. I mean, if you want to. If you want to throw a 15 every time a dude stands up and spins a football, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like you're getting in your own way. You've got a product that's so loved and so demonstrated every week with the ratings. I mean, just stop doing little nickel-dime stuff that, that, that impacts that adversely. 
Yeah, uh, I think the, the uh, calls will wane. I just, um, you know, people have heard my opinion on this. You haven't. But the, the net of it is it really hasn't been a problem. Um, so I don't understand why um, it became an issue for them. Ron Rivera was asked about it yesterday, and he said, we're trying to keep, you know, these things from turning into brawls. Well, when's the last brawl we saw, you know, uh, that was provoked by some sort of taunt? They've been calling taunting. Right. You know, they're going to call the guy. Think about baseball. Yeah. Think think about baseball where where the way the game is played leads to certain retaliatory measures that lead to either full-on brawls or or we're right there on the precipice of it. That that, that almost never happens in NFL games. Sometimes idiots want to punch helmets, and if they do, they're invited to watch from the from the locker room for the rest of the game. But I, I don't, I agree. I, I think they created a problem more than they tried to, you know, uh, real rain one in. Did you see what uh, Aaron Rodgers said yesterday on the Pat McAfee show? He's a guest on that every Tuesday during the season um, in referring which, to which, which part specifically? Well, the media part where, you know, and, and the, and, you know, the people out there who are analysts and so-called experts when he said, quote, to be honest, you know, on one hand, it's absolute horseshit to give a platform to people who have no idea what they're talking about as far as my mental state. And as you know, my focus, my work habits, people that haven't been around me that aren't in my life, I don't have communication with them. They're not in the locker room. I mean, it's just chicken shit. It's so ridiculous that people get a platform to do this, and it's the same type of people. Um, and then he got into, you know, um, just the overreactions to everything. Uh, that happens. Right. I, I did see that. I, I, I watched that. And he said it's not just overreaction Monday or Tuesday or week one anymore. It's just it's never-ending overreaction. And there's there's unda- undoubtedly truth to that. Um, you know, our business, you know, has created uh, an entire genre of, of programming that's basically sort of, you know, who can have a, the, the, the take that's the loudest or the, the hottest or whatever. And, and then, you know, uh, and I'm not I'm not singling out you know people specifically. I mean, because when I say the loudest, you might say, "Is he talking about Stephen A. Smith?" There's no bigger Rogers backer than Stephen A. Smith. Uh, so I'm not talking about Stephen A. I'm just saying that any of those sort of debate type shows, it's like this guy's either great or he stinks. And and you know, I I I work on the other side of the day to day shift, and we cover the results of games, and and that is the lane that I've been in. So. I understand what Rogers is saying because, yeah, that's that's the way media, a lot of media goes, uh, and your, you know, your your legacy is, is an ongoing debate based on what you've done most recently. Uh, I think Rogers is a very interesting guy. He's a different kind of guy, as, as I think he's is has uh, exhibited. Um, I think I think he's I think he'd be a difficult guy uh, because of that, because he is bright, because he is a thinker, because he isn't just a bring your lunchbox to the factory kind of a guy. He wants to go sit in the, the factory owner's office and say, well, hey, I don't want to do this this way, or I want to work with these people. And they're looking at him like, you know, I think the Packers probably mishandled the situation I mean, pretty clearly. Uh, the guy's the MVP in the league, and he's all pissed off. Um, but, but, but having said all of those things where I understand his perspective, I also think that he's a bright enough guy to get that when you're the MVP of the league and you're the face of a franchise and you spend an entire offseason essentially saying, I'm not going to go there, I don't want to go there, or if I do go there, it's just for one last sort of last dance kind of gig, 
it, it would seemingly create an environment where it's hard to do that. And that's not, that topic of conversation is not unreasonable. And when you go out and you perform the way they did week one, it's not unreasonable to say, wow, off the offseason they just had, that's not the way you want to start this presumed last dance. Nothing about that is unreasonable, in my opinion. But uh, look, I, I admit to, to I like Rogers. Uh, I know him some um, through Andy North, who who is one of uh, Aaron's very very best friends actually in the world. Um, and so I, I've I've had chances to be around him and and talk to him, and I he's. He's in, you'd like him, and you'd like him a lot. Oh, I, 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 I have a feeling I would. He seems interesting. He seems smart. Uh, he's got great taste. Uh, I know that because his two favorite shows are The Office and Game of Thrones. Those are my certainly in my top five uh, of all time. But um, um, well, well, and, and he's a, he's a reader of books. He's a, yeah, again, no, he's no, a he's, thinker. Right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate I appreciate people who are interested in learning things. Uh, and reading curious, uh, I, I pardon being curious, right? That that's what well, that's the line in Lasso, right? You know, right. You know, be curious, don't be. You know, be curious, don't be cynical, right? And I, he he's that. So uh, anyway, these these are uh, observations. I, I think he's also really really good at at, at what he does. He's I don't know good. what happened that week one. They they were they were absolute crap in week one, uh, and they weren't in week two. So you know, it just it, it, there's this. Um, there's this increased discussion over the last several months about media criticism, fan criticism, analyst criticism of athletes. I mean, we saw it play out with Naomi Osaka in tennis, and it's just interesting to see uh, to see Rogers, you know, bite back the way he did. Again, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, I was just curious as to what you thought. Um, you know, you said something a little while ago that is really true when it comes to Scott. Scott, even though it wasn't true when he was hosting a national radio show with Ryan Rossillo, but you are in, in this mode with a late-night show that really is, at its core, more of a highlight show than an opinion show, even though you do, you know, my one big, your, your one big thing, and you do a lot of interviews with a lot of guests... But it's so much different than what Stephen A. does the following morning. Which do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Well, what I what I do if I wanted to do some, and if I wanted to be in arguing with people in the morning, then I, I <laughs> would have figured out how, how to get in that space. You, you save your arguing for for some of your your conversations with some of your friends, including me. But sure, but well, it, but yeah, well, I just I, 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 listen. I'm I'm a game. I'm 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 a games person. I I like. Uh, that's why, and that's why the mornings would be a disaster for me because you, you and I are the ones like in the middle of the. I love whatever, games UCLA too. Game. That's my point. Like we're we're the ones in late at night at two thirty in the morning or whatever. Some West Coast game still going on. Or like, can you believe this game? I like games too much to get up early in the morning, and you could never do both. You couldn't watch the games and then get up and, and, and do those 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 shows um i that's why i, I i've always been such a, a vocal uh proponent of how much respect i have for for like Stephen a having the ability to be on my show late at night following uh a playoff game and then next thing in the morning you turn it on and he's there covering that so that's i just i i, I like being on in the immediacy of, of following games what happened what why how 
when you get to you know have conversation with the people that were in the in the games, the coaches, the players, and all that. To me, that's uh, um, it's fun. But you know what's nuts is like this starts our seventh year, which when I say it out loud, I, I mean it's just impossible. But it's, it's this uh, this show as we've been doing it is is you know is the seventh year we've done it, which um, I don't know. Makes makes me think. I don't know. I I, I don't. There, I can't see doing seven more. Wow, you know, it's got seven seven years. Morning. So it's been seven years since you did the radio show with Ryan. Yeah. Oh my God, that doesn't seem like it's Nuts, been it? that long. Um, no. Well, all right. It, it, um, let's finish up with a couple of NFL things. Uh, give me. It's sure. it's only two weeks. Um, give me a team that you thought was going to not be very good that you now think is going to be good. Um, hmm. Or it can just be a team that no one thought was going to be good that now you're convinced will be. Maybe you had them before the season started. I, I, I'm, I'm paying attention to Carolina just because I, I, for some reason I'm rooting for Sam Darnold. Um, I, I, I say for some reason. I know why. I think, I think the quarterback position in the NFL is fascinating. I think they drafted Darnold when he was like, he was the youngest kid in the league. And he goes to New York, and they they weren't good. They had a coaching situation that didn't work. He had very little talent around him. And, like, three years later, they just cut bait <laughs> and drafted another guy out of BYU who, you know, like, can he do I have I don't know if he can do it, um, but it's going to be hard to figure out, right? Like, it's hard. It's hard to be quarterback in the league. Anyway, I, I, I'm rooting for Darnold. I think Rule's really interesting, going back to his Temple days, then like going to Baylor, like he's been a program builder. He's well regarded as a as a coach and a and a culture developer. And I think defensively they're good. And I'm rooting for Darnold to be good. And having McCaffrey in your backfield obviously makes the team better. So I, I think Carolina might might be decent. Um, I don't know that they were dismissed before the season, so maybe I'm not answering your your question specifically. Um, they, but I mean, look, they, I don't they, think that anybody really had them. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, they had two home games, uh, and they won them. And now they they go out on the road and and they play um, uh, they play Houston, Car- uh, Houston tomorrow night. Who yeah. you know, who who obviously is not not great, uh, and they're down to their rookie quarterback in Mills. So you know, if they start three and zero like last year, every team that started three and zero went to playoffs. So they'd be on they'd be they'd be trending in that direction. So maybe maybe Carolina would be the answer um, to, to that. Uh, I think a team who is good that I thought was going to be good is the Rams. I, I was anxious to see Stafford in that setup, um, and I, I think Stafford and, and McVay together with the the weapons that they have, I think the Rams. Uh, that that game with New England this week is really interesting. I said New England, it's Tampa, um, because I want to see that defense with Brady. Because I, I said the other night on the show, Kevin, I'm convinced Brady's goal is to is to obliterate every record before he walks away, so that no one even looks at it and thinks to climb the hill um like he had 50 touchdowns in what 2007 i think he i think he'll have more than that this year yeah it's just i mean the the conversation has already it's already been over for a few years and he's obviously just trying to create the most distance between anybody that thinks he isn't the goat uh Right, um, some unborn kid he's fighting against some unborn kid yeah. just just so you know unborn kid I, I will put the mark on the wall so high that you will not dream of trying to get on your ladder to put a mark higher than mine. It's just, he's 44. 
get five touchdowns the other day. It's a joke. Yeah, it's the um, it's the it's the um, uh, bad teacher, Jason. Um, oh God, why am I blanking on Jason's uh, last name? The actor. You know, when when he has the uh, argument, LeBron versus Jordan. Do you know the movie I'm talking about with Cameron Diaz? No. Okay, uh, Cameron Diaz um, and Jason, whatever his name is, last name, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel um, are uh, teachers at a school, and there's some kid that's having an argument with Jason Siegel, who's the PE teacher, and it's LeBron versus Jordan, and the kid says, you know, Basically, you know, all you guys do is argue about Jordan's, you know, six titles. And Jason Siegel's answer is, what other argument is there? Um, it's, uh, and that's what essentially right now Brady's essentially trying to end any future argument between Brady and whoever, you know, thinks he's the next Brady. Um, maybe it'll be yeah, Trevor yeah. Lawrence, although not after the first two games. But somebody will – people have already bailed on Trevor Lawrence after two games. Please. I don't think they have. I, I just, I, I, and, if, and if they have, they're they're absolute buffoons uh, that, that don't understand yeah. what the your, your circumstance dictates what you do at that position, and you you often get drafted into very very difficult circumstances. What and did you think of Lamar? Yeah, go, ahead, get, go finish ahead. finish your thoughts. Sorry. No, and I say that's what Darnold got drafted into. So that's all. Give me your thoughts on Lamar Jackson's performance performance the other night, and just the Ravens in general. I love them. I I, I really really have such respect for them organizationally. Um, from Steve Bashotti, who's a guy I've gotten to know just through the years at, at like Maryland games and talking to him, and and uh, I just I think he sets the, the the direction, and then he lets his people do their thing. Uh, I think you know whether it's Newsom or Harbaugh, and all the way on the, through their organization. Like culture is such a buzzword, and it's so overstated. I feel like they—they, they, I, I really think that was an organizational culture win. Like you lose on Monday to the Raiders, um, blow a 14-point lead, you fly back short week, you got to play. Oh, good, we get the Chiefs, and it's not just the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs who played and beat you the last three years. It's your MVP against their MVP. You're down double digits in the fourth quarters, quarter, and you win. And you win because people are going to say, oh, well, the Chiefs turned it over, which implies that like the Chiefs just gave them the ball and said, here, no, the, the Ravens turned them over. You know, They put Mahomes in a spot where he tried to make a play and he got picked, and then they strip it after they take the lead. And Jackson's out there uh, making play after play, and it clearly meant a lot to him. You can imagine, right? You, you, you're going head-to-head with this dude who you can't beat, and you're like, damn it, i got to beat them. And, you know, the whole, I thought the whole, do you want to go for it thing with Harbaugh was theatrical. Of course. But, 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 it, but it was entirely, um, it was entirely uh, in line with, with what I think they are as an organization. Because what, what are you doing? You know the answer already, but you're giving your leader the chance to make it feel like it's his decision. Because he's got a vote and a voice. You're empowering your whole group to say, hey, Lamar wanted to go for it, so we're going to get behind him, and we're going to get this yard. And then when you do, then you all get to look at each other and go, wasn't that awesome? And it was. Um, but I just, I, you know, the, the analytics of that, of that team has always been to be as aggressive as you can from the jump. So they're going for fourth and one because you can't give the ball back to Mahomes because you lose. Um, but I, I just, I, I loved the game because I thought it, I thought, that it was entirely what the Ravens are, and I, I pre as a fan and 
I just admire that. I admire having that kind of competitive uh, fight. Um, and I don't think everybody, I don't think everybody in the league's got it, but I know they do. Yeah, I mean the culture thing. I, I I understand that it can be sort of an overrated, cliched thing. Um, I I think identity can be too. But I think what's interesting about the Ravens is that they're one of only a couple of teams that really truly have an identity. You know, the Steelers have one, the Ravens have one. I don't know if anybody else has one in the entire league because teams change so much. But the the Ravens and the Steelers have always been these tough, hard-nosed, physical defensive outfits um, that yeah. are that are, you know, highly competent in in front office and coaching staff, etc. Um, but to Jackson, for yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I just I think that I think it, you, you you hit the nail on the head there because it's organizational. It's the Rooney family there. It's it's Tomlin. It's having a sort of core belief in what you do and how you do it. And I think it's why those teams have had such great uh, games and 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 battles through the years. I Ryan Clark is in our studio every Sunday night, and I said the other night. I said, you remember that, that it was the AFC title game, wasn't it, where the dude got knocked out the first play and he got injured at the end of that game? And I said, have you ever been involved in a more – and, and I couldn't even get the word violent out. He said, no, no. And I said, can you imagine the 30 for 30 just on that game? Because I just – I don't ever remember seeing anything quite like that. And he said, bro, it was – he said, you know the craziest thing? is He said, neither team blinked because it was like looking in the mirror. Each team looks at the other like – we hate the things about you that we hate, but we probably identify with them as well. Yeah. Which I, I just I think that's why they've been who they are. You're going to say something about Lamar. Well, I just uh, I'm rooting for him, and you said about Sam Darnold um, that you're rooting for him, and you know it's a good point. Came in so young, and they cut bait after three years, and it's probably way too early, and it'll probably prove them wrong. Um, I think he will. I, I for whatever reason, I always loved him coming out of USC. But there's just something about Jackson that is um, like he strapped that team to its back, uh, to his back when they were down 11 in the third quarter. He did the same thing that year in Seattle. Um, I remember that first game thinking, wow, this guy is different, but he's also special. And, and you know, there's so much uh, constructive criticism of Jackson. I think there's fair criticism about, you know, doing it in the postseason and does he have the ability to do it with his arm. Uh, I just really love watching him play and uh, and I'm rooting for him. And I, I, I that, that's all I was going to say. And I was curious as to what your thoughts were on him. Often the case, uh, you and I sort of see see things similarly. They, I, I know that the team loves him. Um, right. You know, they love him. And, and you saw it when Ingram, who's now with Houston, I mean, he, he would, you know, was so effusive in, in you know, the, the whole big trust thing and this and that, like with, with, with Jackson. And he was, a, you know, he's a young guy that, that was doubted because, well, can he do it, uh, given that they, you know, he, he would he struggled in a post, the one postseason game. Um but was evolving into a into what he became, which is an MVP of the league. I know I know that he, he's beloved by his teammates, and um, I I, you know, I feel I feel similarly watching him most games, but particularly in that one. And it wasn't just the running. Um, I mean, he he made that one downfield yeah. throw to Hollywood Brown that was like a Mahomes throw, which and I well, a Mahomes throw. I mean, something that seems preposterous that probably isn't going to work and shouldn't be tried, but it does. 
And he, I mean, he's running up into the pocket, hanging in midair, and somehow has the arm talent to get it downfield to the guy that's wide open. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the runs for the touchdowns and the run on fourth down. Uh, it, was just, it was just a spectacular game. It's amazing, amazing to me, the National Football League. And it shouldn't be. But, I mean, how often is that, is that main window game a dud? Well, not often. But how often is that main window game, the Thursday night game between the Bucks and the, and the Cowboys, the Thursday night game between Washington and the Giants, yeah. the Monday night game between the Raiders and, and the Ravens, and the Sunday night game between the Ravens and the, uh, and the Chiefs? I don't remember what the first Sunday night, week, Sunday night game was. It was Rams-Bears. Uh, Rams I went through the whole rundown, too, of how great okay, so these primetime things have been. So, and then we got Packers-Lions. So um, right. So there's been two. There's yeah. been two. The Rams and the Bears was fine. The Packers and the Lions for a half was really interesting. But but just to already have had that high a hit rate of not entertaining games, but just preposterous games where you know the, the game the lead changes hands several times in the last two minutes, um, and the Chiefs you know build this lead and the Ravens come. I mean it's just it's a joke. Two weeks in to have already this many games that have felt as significant. Uh, as as these have, but you know, I and mean, that's why one of the one of many reasons why the league is is king. You know, it's uh, it's funny because I was looking at the um, schedule for this upcoming weekend, and I forget if I said it on the podcast or radio show yesterday. But you know, the Thursday night game on paper seems like a dud. Panthers at Texans, although uh, you know. I think the Panthers are actually for real. I liked them before the season started, and Houston's been a surprise. I mean, they're two and zero against the number, and if Tyrod Taylor didn't get hurt, they may have had a chance against Cleveland. I agree. Um, and then you know uh, you're looking at these games, and I and I was going through it the other day, and I'm like, Jesus, does anybody suck in this league? Because every matchup seems to be such a great matchup. You know, like at 1 o'clock, like Washington-Buffalo is interesting. Chargers-Chiefs, Saints-Patriots, you know. And then and then you get at, at 425, Bucks-Rams, Seahawks-Vikings. The Vikings should be 2-0, and easily could be 2-0. and The Sunday night game's Packers-Niners, and the Monday night game is Eagles-Cowboys. I think the Eagles, by the way, are much better than anybody thought they would be. I think they're excellent on defense. Now, Brandon Graham got hurt, and I think that's going to be a yep. big loss for them. But I think Hurts is better than than uh, a lot of people think. I, Carolina, Denver, and Philadelphia were three teams that I like to make a run um, this year before. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Eagles and the Cowboys on Monday night. But it's it, when you lo- look at the games, it's like, Jesus, Like, does anybody suck in the league? Like Houston was supposed to suck. With Tyrod Taylor, if he had stayed healthy – I don't think they were going to suck this year. I mean, through two no, games. I agree. Because they can move he, the football. I mean, the, the, they beat Jacksonville uh, week one. Yeah. And then they're trading punches with Cleveland right up to the point where Tyrod Taylor goes on that scramble and pulls up uh, with the, in, the injury on a touchdown that was, you know, obviously costly because now he heads to the, uh, to the IR. But to your point, they had been far more competitive through a, a, a game and a a half than I guess a lot of people kind of expected. But to answer your question, you know the answer. Do, does anyone suck? Sure, they're, sure. They'll they'll show themselves over the course of, you know, the next month where we'll figure out who's going to really struggle to to compete to win games. But um, I mean, I, I think I think early on there's some there's some trends that that we can. I mean, we always, you and I have said forever you, we don't know anything. Well, I know that the NFC West is really good. I think the AFC West is pretty good. Um, 
I think the fact that the Raiders just beat the Steelers and the Ravens and Carr through for the kind of numbers he did against those teams makes me think maybe they're real. Um, uh, but but I, I think I think in, in labeling anybody just horrible and labeling anybody great, you know, two weeks is, is not nearly enough time to be certain. Um, but I think I think some 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 trends are fairly obvious. Like the the the, the, the uh, NFC East is going to be similar to what it was a year ago. I think it'll be a big bar brawl. Maybe nobody's got a great record, but it should be as it always is. Uh, you know, compelling. Okay. Um, have you, you out, Have you picked out uh, your first winner uh, for your segment? No. 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 I got a, I got a card. Got a card in the office. Well, how's Wisconsin sure now? Is six? How's Wisconsin a six and a half point favorite over Notre Dame? I think a lot of it's sort of the. It's like the uh, the transitive thing is going on where people are going. Let's see. Toledo. Notre Dame beat Florida State. That really good game, but then Florida State lost to Jacksonville State and got trucked by Wake Forest. Notre Dame almost lost to Toledo. Oh well, Toledo's good. No, Toledo just lost at home to Vander to Colorado, Colorado State. State. Who had just lost to Vanderbilt? Who had just lost to East Tennessee State? So I think people are looking at Notre Dame, who's pretty banged up, and thinking maybe they're not that. But but I'm with you. Like that that number stinks to me. I, I wrote Wisconsin down. Am I am I going to give a favorite? Um, I wouldn't want to lay that many points though to Notre Dame, just because I don't I don't think that they're six points worse than Wisconsin. Um, but that that number kind of stuck out. Anyway, I've got a card in my office. Uh, that has a bunch of names written down on it. And then I'll do that thing I do every week where I stare at them and try to figure out how I can tell which ones are the right ones. What's so your so staring can... produced so far in, in three weeks? We went four and one week one, and then the last two weeks uh, we went four and four. Um, and I was giving out the ones that almost made it, right? Because, you know, you, I, it's, I mean, I just make fun of myself at this point. I'm like, Steve, now I'm going to say the ones that I didn't give officially, but if they yeah. win, I want credit for them. Yeah. And those had been six and one, so I, I hadn't chosen well, right? I hadn't done a good job narrowing That's why you give them field. all out. Well, but then last week, those weren't any good either. So uh, I think I'm going to try my try my best to limit it to, to maybe the, the five or six I like the best and just live with it, but... Uh, you know, but I'm actually when I hang up with you, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go go hunker down and try to get. It's kind of fun. To, it's kind of fun to do it. I mean, you do it for your segment. I do it for the smell test. I love sitting down and going game by game, and then and then you know uh, we know some people that live in foreign lands where there's a lot of information that starts to flow in usually on Thursday uh, afternoon for me anyway, and I start to put it all together. And last week it produced 14 selections. <laughs> What the fourteen selections go? Uh, I was six and eight, uh, but but it Ooh. was it was a painful six and eight because it should have been much better. But we've all been there. Like we've had eight and six weekends. It should have you know been four and ten. Um, but how did Indiana not cover? I mean, they're up fourteen nothing. That targeting penalty was horseshit, as as Aaron Rodgers would say, and that turned yeah, that whole was- game around. Yeah, they had a, they had a lot of opportunities to do better than they did. Um, yeah. That Cincinnati Notre Dame Notre Dame game in a couple of weeks is big. It, it, Cincinnati needs Notre Dame to be to be clean when they get to them, so they can, you know, you get a win at Indiana that was ranked, and you beat uh, you beat Notre Dame. That'd, that'd be big for their for their claims. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, you know, what's funny is that you and I forever have been doing some version of pick segments, and now that it's more legal, more places. Every bozo that's in our job, and I say that with love because you and I are bozos too. But everybody's 
uh, tweeting out their picks. No, oh, yeah. And uh, and it's and I find that I, I don't know what I, the right word is to say. I think I just I think I just eye roll at all of it. Like I didn't invent this by any stretch of the imagination. But having everybody out there touting their picks, and it, it feels like. Uh, there goes the neighborhood, right? Like everybody, everybody's of course. doing, everybody's well, doing our, the thing that we've always. Our whole mindset is contrarian, so we should be out of this business right now. Now that everybody's in it, um, and we should be trying to find the next thing that no one else is doing. Um, but, yeah, but ev- we've never been that smart. Of course, we, we've not. always, yeah. we've always, we've always been so smart. Just to ask us, yeah. and then in retrospect, we yeah. we were probably we probably were were smart about things, but we weren't smart enough to figure out how to how to you know. You know, the, the other thing is you're just seeing it infiltrate, you know, all of these broadcasts, whether it's the live play-by-play call or any of the pregame shows. I, I talked about this the other day that, that Tony Dungy um, was very critical of, like, the producers for NBC coming to him saying, hey, you got to – you got to pick an over under on Nick Chubb's rushing yards. You know, those are the it's like prop bets, and it's like uh, to 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 a certain degree, I I think it's too much. Also, I mean, once it became legal, and more importantly, once these sports books, legal sports books, created these massive customer acquisition advertising budgets to start spending with everybody, which you know I and everybody else is benefiting from. Um, you were going to, you know, you were going to get a lot of content, but I don't know, like, I don't, I, I want to hear Dungy talk about what he's good at talking about, which is analyzing the game. And by the way, he's typically a go against, um, uh, for me, but I, I don't, I, I don't need Tariko giving me Nick Chubb's over under yardage. I I'm wondering, I'm with you. I, I think that when you see, you know, everyone is being asked to, to participate in that. Uh, and you know, like you said with Dungey, he's been very vocal about the proliferation of, 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 of gambling into that space. I mean, it's one thing where everyone on the panel is supposed to give you who's going to win the game. I think that's been that's sort of in parcel with these, these pregame-type shows. But when it gets that specific with whomever your, you know, gambling draft partner is sponsored version of, you know, how many field goals are we going to have in the first quarter? That doesn't trouble me, but, you know, your broadcast partners might have people that, that are, you know, are against it. I mean, I, again, I think Tony Dungy's been pretty vocal about that, uh, among others. So, but, I mean, that you would talk about toothpaste that's out of the tube, man. I mean, this is this is this is It's gone. It is. Only, you know, <laughs> it's, it's gone. Way gone. And by the way, way this segment way, way, this way, segment way, way. is brought to you by and presented by <laughs> MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. By the way, MyBookie's, really? yeah, of course it is, MyBookie's got a $50,000 survivor contest going on right now. Use my promo code, KevinDC. They'll match your deposit dollar for dollar. Uh, Scott, I always mention to everybody because I will get people that will say to me, hey, they, they match my deposit and then I tried to withdraw it and they wouldn't let me just take it out. That's always my favorite. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna double your money on your deposit and allow you to just take it out. Um, no, they want you to gamble with it. Um, but it's a great offer. Trust me. You know, for, for guys like us that have bet illegally, no, book, no bookmaker was saying, hey, I'm going to double your first deposit. Well, first of all, we just had credit. Um, but they, 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 no one was going to say, hey, your first $500 loss is on me. Um, nobody was ever going to no. do that. 
Uh, MyBookie is going to do that. They're going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and play their $50,000 Survivor Contest. I don't know. You know, uh, I I, am... Obviously, we're all benefiting from this right now. Uh, God, in 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 the sports talk radio business, you know, with the pandemic and what it did to radio in general for sports content, you know, the legalized gambling and the and the huge budgets that these companies have to spend is huge for those industries. But I think for longtime people like us who have taken our lumps over the years. Um, there is definitely a positioning of, hey, this is, you know, this is your new job. Uh, you don't have to worry about working. You can do this. No, you can't. Uh, as I always say before the smell test, for entertainment purposes only, because if it's for something else, uh, it's going to be a troubling experience for you. Right. That's why when any time people have, have pushed back about what about you know, bad beats or whatever. And when the term like you're glorifying gambling is used, I'd say, have you seen the segment? Um, (laughs) Because in what way is this? Yeah, this is scared. This is scared straight. I mean, this is exhibit a, that even when it appears, yeah, it really is like you're, you're not going to win. And guess what? You might lose in the most, hideous way imaginable and that will be trumped by what happens next week so right. um, it is just it is just very um uh, funny is not the right word funny is the lazy word to use which doesn't mean what i want to say well the bottom line uh, is if it. you lose in a hideous way you can jump on social media and threaten the player that screwed you that's what we couldn't do way back in the day uh, <laughs> no but what i was what i was going to say about just the whole the whole of this content like picks bad beats the whole of it like there's lots of people we, we didn't we didn't invent it and there have been lots of people that have done it oh, forever. pete axstone jimmy the greek it of course jimmy right exactly but it, it's funny now how you know how many people are in the space um and it's just it's i mean it, it's only going to get more and more uh, crowded but it, it the good news is that is that who knows it could it could create a lane uh for us to occupy when uh, when everybody else decides we're unemployable, you know we could, we can find some way to capitalize on the uh, yeah. on that <clears throat> well, on that part of the uh, that'll happen to me the... much uh, before it happens to you, Scott. Of course, every single night, sometimes at midnight, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, um, on the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center, uh, which is uh, you know award winning with uh, his. His sidekick, Stanford Steve, who has uh, not been on the show in a couple of weeks. I got to get him on. How's he doing with his? I haven't even followed his in the Bears picks. Um, uh, I think he's been good. Um, I mean, Steve's always he's Steve, always pretty good. Steve's always yeah. I mean, and he listen. He's the last night we were sitting there, to, you know, getting ready to do sports center, and he's doing what I do. What I'm going to go do now. He's grinding it out, writing it down on a card, and you know, he's shaking his head. He's like, I got too many. You know, I got too many, and he just laughs at me because he knows how I. And you uh, look at it, and he'll say, "You have, you're going to have 15 <laughs> games." He, he'll and text like, me, and he'll say, uh, "You and Scott are going to have bump, 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 and bump." Um, yep, yeah, you pretty much got him all right. Um, he he I, I, scoffs at the way we do it. I don't think he's a total believer. No, he just, he just he knows what it is. Uh, he just uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's something to having played it at the level he did. Uh, and, and having the kind of 
network of coaching people that he talks right. to, and he's not calling them up, probing them for information as, as to bet about as much as he is. He talks about the sport constantly. That's that's one of his main things to do is talk about college football. So he just knows a lot, and so he's got. But sometimes, as we know, you can knowing a lot only only serves to lead you to the wrong place. That's right. Um, but whatever, man. Look, yeah, whatever. We've been talking about this forever, and we've been disclaimer. doing it, and people are probably um, uh, over it. Um, thank you. For and, the, and we don't. And if we won a lot, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have to work, and we don't. If so we if we won a lot, we wouldn't be talking about this. This is what of always course. cracks me up: is all the people that that have all the. You know, all the information, all the data, all the number crunching, all the analytics, and they're out there selling their picks. No, if they were winning big, they wouldn't be selling their picks. They would just be yeah, betting those games. Why do you need my 20 bucks for your Colorado State Toledo winner? Just <laughs> put put a million on it and walk, and walk to the beach. Right. Okay. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Always fun. See you. All right. Thanks to Scott. Appreciate that. Up next, uh, five minutes on 30 years ago. Today, uh, as the 1991 Redskins were progressing through the greatest season in franchise history, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Play to watch the Redskins as tough as you can play them. If they think they're walking in here playing a team that's not going to be ready to play, they're mistaken. That was Sam Weich, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Washington's opponent 30 years ago today on September 22nd, 1991 at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. Sam Weich, who, by the way, was a Washington Redskin quarterback and holder um, on the 1972 George Allen team that went to the Super Bowl uh, with Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen ahead of him. Sonny was was hurt that year, uh, tore his Achilles, and so Sam Weich was the backup. But Sam was the very successful coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals had started off the 1991 season 0 and 3, but they had been to the Super Bowl three years prior. They had had playoff seasons. In fact, the year before, they had lost in the divisional round to the LA Raiders. That was the game, by the way, where Bo Jackson injured his hip and ended, uh, and that ended his football career. Uh, was against the Bengals the year before, and the Bengals were supposed to be good in 1991, but they came into the game 0 and 3 against Washington, who was 3 and 0. The Lions they had beaten in the opener 44. 
35 nothing. They had beaten the Cowboys in week two, 33 to 31, and uh, had beaten Joe Bugle's Phoenix Cardinals 34 nothing in week three. So they had two shutouts in the first three weeks of the season. And now they were on the road to face Cincinnati. And even though Cincinnati was 0 3, they were still considered to be a very live dog. And in fact, they were a very short underdog that day, a two and a half point underdog. Uh, 3-0 and versus 0-3. I guarantee you the Bengals would have been in the smell test that particular year in 1991. Um, it would not have worked uh, because Washington won the game 34-27, but it was a very competitive game. Cincinnati had an early lead, then Washington built a 17-point lead, and then the Bengals in the third quarter, early fourth, came roaring back to tie the game at 27-27 before Washington went on a long drive that ended in a Gerald Riggs touchdown run to win it 34-27. On the day, Riggs had three touchdowns rushing, uh, 10 carries, 61 yards, three touchdowns. Biner, 18 carries, 75 yards. Also had a bunch of catches in the game. Not the biggest day of the year for Rippon, 15 of 23 for 217 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And uh, he did get sacked that day in Cincinnati. It was one of just seven times that Rippon was sacked on the entire season. Boomer Esiason was the quarterback for Sam Weich's Bengals. Uh, he threw for 212, got sacked four times uh, in the game. James Brooks was a big-time player for the Bengals, as was uh, you know receivers Tim McGee, who would eventually play for Washington, and Eddie Brown. But uh, that was one of those games that felt a little bit like a trap game. And Washington got through it, uh, and they won it 34-27 to to go to 4-0. The Bengals would end up having a terrible season in 1991, the first of their uh, bad seasons. They went, uh, they, they went uh, 0-4 and would finish that year 3-13 um, for Sam Weich's Bengals. And the following year, David Shula uh, would become the head coach. Um, in Cincinnati. They had a good run, the Bengals did, and they were considered a prominent team at the time, even though they had started off poorly. But Washington got through it, close, competitive, tough game. Um, in fact, uh, it was one of those games in which you know the yardage was identical, the first downs were identical, um, the turnovers were pretty tight, but Washington was able to eke it out on a long drive and a Gerald Riggs touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, also uh, on that day, our guest from last week, Brad Edwards, he had another interception in that game. So anyway, that's what happened 30 years ago today. We'll do this every Wednesday on the show, taking you back to 30 years ago and the game that they played uh, in that corresponding week in 1991. All right, we're done for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy. And again, uh, Cooley uh, scheduled to be on the show now on Friday. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.